We're in John chapter 11. It's quite a few verses. But here, Jesus moving in these verses. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sister sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going to go there again? Jesus answered them, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews who had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. 
Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in his spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying in it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, go, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. So as we get ready to hear a little bit more about the how God's word is meant to penetrate us and transform us today. Let's bow our heads and pray. God of love and light and life. Lord, we know how much you love us. You know, we know that your love will never let us go. But Lord, speak that life-giving love into our hearts and souls today. Let us be open to hearing it in such a way, your word proclaimed, that we will leave this place changed. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So here we find ourselves uh, the last in a series on the miracles of Jesus. We certainly have not lifted up every miracle. There are a lot of miracles in the gospel, and every single one does exactly what Jesus says at the beginning of the lesson that Reverend Chris just read. 
all miracles are for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified in it. So every miracle is meant to point to the God who makes it possible. All right? It's not meant to say uh, that there is magic involved per se, but to say, listen, this miracle is going to tell you something about who God is and how God is moving and acting in the world and the difference that makes in the living of your life and in the coming of the kingdom into the world. We've been looking at uh, a few different kinds of miracles and categories and looking at specific examples of those. So uh, it really kind of mirrors the way we're in the Gospel of John this week. And John really does often use physical things in order to point to the spiritual, all right? And so we would call this metaphor, per se. Uh, and some of these metaphorical miracles would include the multiplication of the loaves and fish, right? Jesus saw a very real physical hunger in thousands of people who had followed him. And so he very, in a very real way, he takes the gifts that are given and they're multiplied so that thousands are fed with baskets left over. And that physical feeding, which no one could deny happened there that day and was recorded by every gospel, pointed to the fact that we have a spiritual hunger which can only be filled by God in Christ. Water was used in many miracles, but the water miracle that we had lifted up in our sermon series was that in which water is chaos, right? We, we know that water is chaos when hurricanes threaten the Gulf Coast and are about to come our way and flash floods where we hope that we remember the the streets that don't flood on our way home because the last thing we need to do is for our car to be stranded. That almost happened to me yesterday. Uh, but what God showed us when Jesus rescued Peter, when he was in danger of falling beneath the chaos of the water, is that God is always reaching out to us in our times of trouble. And when we don't know if our foot, when we go forward, is going to land on solid ground, he is going to hold us up above that chaos. And last week, when Jesus healed uh, blind Bartimaeus, he literally healed Bartimaeus' sight, and he turned to everyone and he said, we're all spiritually blind, right? Can't you see what God is doing and what God is preparing? We need spiritual vision and clarity. This morning's miracle, the one in which uh, Lazarus is brought out of a tomb after he has been dead a number of days, this one, I believe, points to the life-giving love of God, how it really is love which is which brings us not only life but everlasting eternal life. In fact, it says that uh, when when physical life is restored, it's really showing that Lazarus is not only 
broken free from the bandages that had surrounded him and the tomb that was rolled away from his stone that was rolled away from his tomb, but also he broke free from the bonds of spiritual death, that truly we are not alive until our life is in Christ Jesus. It was at the grave of Lazarus where Jesus wept. It really, we've seen, we see him get angry and we do see other emotions of Jesus. But it was as Jesus approached the grave of his friend and is accosted by his friend's sisters, and they are his friends as well. And the gospel writer is very careful to explain to us how much he loves this family. He says it over and over again. Lazarus is the one Jesus loves. Mary and Martha, whom he loved. This family in Bethany, he's grown very close to. And so when Jesus approaches and all of the stages of grief are coming at him, Martha's anger, Mary's sorrow, the tears of so many, Jesus also shows his grief through his tears for Lazarus. Jesus is about to show everyone the nature of steadfast and redemptive love and how life-giving God's love truly is. So, you know, uh, I love to look into the meaning of names in the scripture especially, and the name Lazarus is a shortened form of Elisar, which means God helps. And then Bethany, if you know anything about the name of that town, the word Beth or the prefix Beth means house. So whenever you hear Beth, it's house of something. And Bethany means house of affliction. So here in this story, we have God who is getting ready to help one who suffers from affliction. John takes a friendship between Jesus and his family and an event that has uh, this otherworldly quality, this miracle which is occurring to shape it to God's ultimate purpose. Lazarus is the one Jesus loves. He represents all those whom Jesus loves. And so this story is our story. It's the story of our coming to life from death in this present moment. In addition to the future when, you know, we pass through the veil and make our transition, we acknowledge through this story and so many others how our eternal life is now if it's lived in Christ Jesus. We don't have the physical life and then the eternal life. The eternal life starts now if you've called on Jesus' name. So here we have it. The one whom Jesus loves is approached at his tomb. And Jesus who is love made flesh, gets to demonstrate that love and how it gives life to all. We are all loved by God. 
Just as much as Lazarus lo- or Jesus loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha, he loves each and every one of you. There is so much love, so much breath and death to God's love that he has enough for everyone who has lived, is living, and will live because he is the one who was and is and is to come. And his life, his love gives us life. I would argue, go with me here, that love is the motivation behind every miracle. He loved the hurting so much that he healed them. He loved those, he loves those who are, whose lives are in chaos and are in need of salvation so much that he loves them to safety. He loves you so much that he will not let you go hungry, right? That is the kind of God we serve. So this is not the only miracle born out of love. Every single thing God does from his, from his covenant in the Old Testament all the way to the resurrection promise is all out of God's love for humanity. Dr. Maya Angelou uh, wrote a, an essay that the, a video was made through the OWN network. And her essay was entitled, Love Liberates. Um, one of the 13-year-olds in the room, which there are a couple of them, so I won't tell you which one, said, who's Maya Angelou? Well, I'm going to introduce you to her today if you haven't met her yet, uh, although she has passed at this point, so we celebrate her life and what she gave us. But at age seven, uh, Maya stopped speaking after suffering uh, abuse while living with her mother's family. And she later wrote about that traumatic experience in her book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Does anybody read that book, I Know Why the Caged Bird? we got a few. Well, I highly recommend anything, everything that uh, Maya Angelou has written. But I would uh, like you to watch the video. Jeremiah has it all queued up. And uh, hear this in her own words, how love liberates. My grandmother, my father's mother, raised me. She was an amazing woman. She told me, sister, when you get, give. When you learn, teach. These are lessons to live by. I thought for a long time that my grandmother was God. She was so tall. And she used to tell me, sister, mama don't know what she's going to do. Mama just going to step out on the word. Just step out on the word of God. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. People call me stupid, dumb, uh, a moron, an idiot, because I didn't speak for six years. I was a mute. And Mama used to tell me when she'd braid my hair, my hair was huge and very curly. My Mama would say, Sister, Mama don't care what these people say, but you must be an idiot, you must be a moron, because you can't talk. Sister, Mama don't care. Mama know when you and the good Lord get ready. You're going to be a teacher. Sister, you're going to teach all over this world. I used to sit there and think, this poor ignorant woman, doesn't she know I will never speak? I've taught 
at the Bema Theater in Israel, in Tel Aviv. I've taught in Egypt. I've been distinguished visiting professor at the University of Exeter in England. I've taught in Rome and all over the United States. And each time I have another honor, I think of my grandma. Mm. So I am grateful to be, have been loved and to be loved now and to be able to love because that liberates. Love liberates. It doesn't just hold. That's ego. Love liberates. Maya's mama, her grandmother, the love that came from that woman for her granddaughter liberated, quite literally, liberated Maya's tongue. And that tongue is a gift to the world and has been for, was for a number of years and so grateful that uh, Maya's words have been recorded for, for, uh, for all of us to be able to remember and uh, so many essays and, and stories that she has written. Love frees us from what binds us. And did you hear in the beginning how she said, I used to think my grandmother was God? <laughs> That's how powerful, powerfully someone loved her. That she knew that that love was transforming in her life. And that is what kind of love Jesus had for Lazarus. So that the tomb was, the tomb was uh, emptied. And just like uh, foreshadowing the stone away from Jesus, tomb would be rolled. And Jesus, uh, the cloth that had bound him would be found lying with him empty. Same with Lazarus, that he was truly able to walk free from what had bound him. I truly believe that Jesus was showing us the nature of steadfast and redemptive love and what it means to have one person hold fast to us in our hour of need, despite the apparent hopelessness that we find ourselves in, despite the fact that we seem like we get ourselves in a mess that there's no way out. Jesus is the way. He is the way and the truth and the life, and it all is born out from God's love for us. I'd like to close with a poem or a, a po part of an essay from Rainier Maria Rilke, something that she also wrote about the transforming power of love. She said this, For one human being to love another, that is perhaps the most difficult of all of our tasks, the ultimate, the last test and proof, the work for which all other work is but preparation. This is the miracle that happens every time to those who really love. The more they give, 
the more they possess. If you have been given the gift of love by another person, if you can recognize that that gift doesn't flow from just that own person, but the fact that they were loved first so that they can love, that comes from John's writings too, that we love because he loved us first. If that has happened to you, know that the more you're able to give it away, the more you will come to have in your life. And it's one of those glorious cycles in which it just, it grows and grows. And in a fellowship like this, you know that uh, it, it circles. And the more it circles, it rises just like a hurricane into the sky. There's nowhere else for it to go but in praise to the one from whom that love originates. So you are meant to share that love with someone else. Your love can be a not perfect, but a reflection anyhow of God's love in your life and has the ability to transform someone else's life as well. There may be one person who doesn't get love from anyone but you. And so pay attention to not only how much you are loved, but by how much God can use his love through you to transform. This is the life-giving miracle of love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.